Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5. We'll begin with number uh, for, uh, with uh, verse number 6 this morning. And we're going to talk this morning about how to survive out in the wild. Now, I'm not talking about like what you see in those shows like uh, Survivor uh, and some of those others where they'll take uh, somebody or they'll take a group of people and uh, they'll dump them out there in the middle of the nowhere and uh, give them a place that uh, they need to make it to where they'll come pick them up and just to see if they will uh, make it alive to the other place. Now, I'm not going to give you any advice on how to survive in the wild that way because I have no idea. Because I know that I wouldn't make it. You know, the only thing I know about finding food is going to McDonald's, you know. And so I don't think I'd really make it in the wild. And I'm just so grateful that I live in a country where I don't have to worry about being eaten by another animal. Because I know if I did, I wouldn't be able to outrun anything, so I'd be a goner. But I want to talk this morning about how to survive in the wild, because that's what Peter wants to tell the, uh, the church that he's speaking to, the church that was uh, ran out of the city of Jerusalem and now finds themselves dispersed throughout the whole land, throughout the whole land of Asia, throughout the whole land, and just all over the place because they have been run out of town. They are essentially exiles. And that's the word that Peter uses a lot in his epistle that he writes to this group of people, is that they were exiles in that they were ran out of their homeland and they were forced to live somewhere else. And he wants to play on that reality. He wants to play on that word of exiles to remind us that we as Christians find ourselves as exiles. We find ourselves as sojourners. We find ourselves in aliens. In other words, we are living in a place that is not our home. And so Peter wants to give that church, and he wants to give us some advice about how we are to live as exiles. How are we live as strangers? How are we to live in a land that's hostile to the people who call upon the name of the Lord? So let's read together the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse number 6, and to see what sort of advice he gives to us as exiles here upon this earth. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time uh, he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. Lord, we're so grateful, Lord, that you watch over us. Lord, during this time that we are here upon this earth. Lord, that you have not left us as orphans, but you have left us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit to guide us. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, as we read these verses, as we spend a few moments in these verses, we'll see what you have teach us. 
about how to survive here upon this earth that you have left us in until we are gathered together with you in glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. How to survive in the wild. He tells us the first thing, the first thing that we need to realize when we are to survive in the wild, that first tip that he wants us to understand and grasp in our life is that we need to understand the elements. Understand the elements. Listen to what he tells us in verse 6. It says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may, he may uh, exalt you. And so if we are going to survive in the wild, we need to understand the elements. We need to understand how life works, how things work in the land that we live. If you were find yourself in a place that was always cold, you would have to take the necessary steps to survive in that cold. If you were to find yourself in the desert, there would be different things that you would have to do to survive there in the desert. And so what Peter wants us to say is that if you're going to have to survive in this world, you need to understand the elements. And what you need to understand about the elements is that you need to humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. What is this therefore? What is he referring back? What is this information that's going to tell us the reason why we need to humble ourselves before God? Well, he tells us in that last half of verse number five. Listen to what he says. He said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And he wants us to understand that the reality that God exists. And he wants us to think about God in the same way here that we would think about a wind. And I remember winds a lot when I used to uh, when I used to ride my bike some. Or maybe you remember winds when you've been out sailing and doing things. When the wind blows, you find that there's two sides of the wind. The wind can either be a headwind or the wind can be a tailwind. And when that wind blows hard, there's a drastic difference between the two. When the wind is blowing and you try to go against that wind, everything you do is a struggle. Every step that you try to make to move forward is met with resistance and opposition. But rather, if you turn around and you find yourself in a tailwind, you find yourself being blown along, and you find yourself at ease. You find yourself being able to do things that normally you wouldn't do it. And he wants us to understand is that's the way that God works because God never changes. God is always consistent. The winds of God always blow in the right directions. It's us who change. And sometimes we make decisions in our life where we decide, I'm going to go in the direction with God. And when I go in the direction of God, things move smoothly. Things move greatly. But when I turn my life around and I start walking opposing to God's will and God's direction in my life, things get difficult. And he wants us to know that God gives grace to those who are following in his direction. In other words, he's giving us gifts. He's giving us power. He's giving us the things that we need. He's given, as Paul said, that he is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, in all times, we may abound in every good work. So when we are following 
in his directions, he gives us everything that we need to survive and to make it and accomplish it so we will succeed. But if we turn around and we go against God with our prideful desires of wanting to do things our own way, he will oppose the proud. And let me tell you, if the Lord is opposing you, you're not going to win, right? You're not going to win that fight. You're not going to win that argument. And so in understanding the elements of those wins, that understanding that when we move in the direction of God, then we have grace in everything that we need. And when we turn ourselves and we run away from God, then there's no way that we can win in understanding those elements. I'm going to make a conclusion that I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm not going to try to live this life the way I want to. I'm not going to try to live this life by my own rules. I'm not going to try to live my life the way the world that tells me to live this life because I know in doing so that I'm going to lose. But I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to put the entirety of my life under your authority. And he says, if you will serve me here on this earth, even when everybody else while you're here may make fun of you, even when even though people may call you names while you're here upon this earth, then at the proper time, I will exalt you. And so the Lord says, if you will humble yourself under me during your time here upon this earth, then I will exalt you. That's why so many people lose here upon this earth that's why they're not surviving in the wild, because they don't understand the elements. And so when they think they want to be exalted, they seek to establish it in their own way. They make money for themselves. They get great titles from their self. They do the efforts that I'm going to step on you, and I'm going to step on you, and I'm going to push this person over so I can get to the top of the ladder. I'm going to exalt myself. And those are the people that the Lord knocks down. But the Lord turns it upside down where it says, you know what? If we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then at the proper time, he will exalt you. So if we're going to survive out here in the wild, we need to understand the elements. And the next thing that we need to do is we need to lighten our load. Listen to what he says to us in verse number seven. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, we talked a little bit about anxieties last week when we read for Matthew. And we're led to that same conversation again because there's so many people here in this world today that are struggling with crises. Everything they face seems to turn into a mental health crisis because we are now so aware of so many problems going in so many places and everything else just seems to be turned upside down and there just seems to be so little of support that we're faced with all of these problems and really seemingly having no conclusion and no one to turn to 
a lot of people are finding themselves crushed by the anxieties. What is an anxiety? It's being aware of a problem, but not really knowing what the solution is. That you face things in your life that you think that are too big for you. When you face things in your life that you have no control over, and since you have no control over them, seemingly that you have no power to fix them, the only thing that you can do is usually what a lot of us do, and what is that? Is we worry. We worry and we dread and we start feeling that anxiety. And I know a lot of us, as we felt anxiety in our hearts and our lives, and when you start to feel anxiety and when you start to feel anxious, you start feeling it in your body, you feel it in your stomach, you feel it in your chest, and it works up to a point in your life to where it just sort of paralyzes you. You can't do nothing today because you're so worried about tomorrow. And what the Lord says is there are problems that are bigger than you. There are things that you cannot handle. So what I want you to do is I want you to not try to carry those things. I want you to take those problems, and I want you put them on me. I want you to cast all of your anxieties on me. Just think about that. A place where you can go and you can take the burdens of all those worries and all of those problems and you can cast them on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And why? Because he cares for you. Not only like we talked last week, how he knows that we need those things. He also knows our troubles. He also knows our concerns. He also knows our worries. He already knows those problems that are too big for us. And he says, look, I don't want you to try to carry that load. We watch the news and we pretty much worry ourselves and we get mad because we see so many things that we have absolutely no control over whatsoever. But we kind of have the illusion to think that we could do something about it, that we could fix those things. And that's why you see so many riots. That's why you see so many uprisings because people feel that there are these big problems and there's nothing they can do. And, the, and so what they decide to do is the one thing they think they can do is just go out and yell and scream. Because the problems are so big, and yet they are so small. But I got good news for you this morning, that there's no problem too big for my Jesus to handle. So I want you to think about your heart, and I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about all those big burdens. And I want you to cast them this morning on the, Lord, on the Lord and say, Jesus, I can't handle this. I need you to handle it. So we need to lighten our load. But the next thing that we need to do is we need to be aware of our surroundings and our enemies. Listen to what he says to us in verse 8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
You know why, why most of us wouldn't survive out in the wild? Because you're like me. We walk around, and we're not really paying attention. We're walking through life, and we're walking down the street, and we're just kind of looking at our phones, aren't we? We're saying, I have no idea what's going on. I could run into a truck. I could run into a bear. I could run into anything, and I won't see it because I'm just staring down at my phone. And that's what he talks about here when he talks about being sober-minded. In other words, I want you to constantly be in your mind aware of what's going on. I want you to be in a constant state of readiness, being prepared that at any minute there may be a trouble. So that's what you have to do while you're out there in the wild because you never know when one of them big old snakes will come falling out of the trees. That's why I don't go out in the wild. I see them snakes, them big 200-pound snakes that fall out of the trees and just crush you and wrap yourself around, wrap themselves around you. That's why I don't go out there. But you always, you always have to be aware. You always have to be watchful. You always have to be mindful because there's always trouble around you. And you never know when it's going to come. But the Lord says you have to be sober-minded. Your mind has to be focused. Your mind has to be concentrated. And you think about the opposite of being sober would be drunken. And when you're drunken, you're unaware and you're unconcerned about the things that are around you. But when you are sober-minded, your mind is focused and aware that at any time something could happen. And that's the way that we have to be when we walk out of our houses every day is we have to be sober-minded. We have to be looking around. We have to be looking around because you never know when a temptation's gonna come. You never know when someone's gonna come and, uh, and ask you questions about your faith. You never know when, uh, when anything might come up in your life. You have to be sober-minded and you have to be watchful. You have to be looking around because why? Because the devil is prowling. He's prowling like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. Who do the lions devour? They devour the ones that are off there by themselves. And they devour the ones who aren't paying attention. He looks around and he sees a big pack of animals over here. And they're watchful. He's not going to try to attack them because he knows he's not going to uh, be able to handle them. But I see this little one over here by himself not paying attention. The devil will be like, I got that. But I want us to notice what he says. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, usually cats, when they are attacking, they'll be real quiet because they want to sneak up on you. But when the lions roar, what they really want to do is they want to intimidate you. They want you to give up the fight before it even starts. And the older and slower a lion gets, the more he roars. Because he knows he doesn't really have the strength anymore to attack. He doesn't have any strength anymore to win a physical altercation. 
And so he hopes to defeat you with just his voice, just with the power of intimidation. And that's why the verse goes on and he tells us how we defeat him. He says, you know what? He's out there and he's roaring around like a lion, prowling around looking for someone to veil. He says, resist him firm in your faith. He says, all you have to do is resist. All you have to do is stand firm in your faith. There's no way when you are in Christ Jesus that he can take you on. The only way that he can defeat you is with the power of his voice scares you to a point where you give up the fight. Be watchful, be aware, because Satan prowls around looking for someone to devour. And the only way for us to defeat him is to stay close to the presence of Jesus. That's how we survive in the wild. But the last thing that we need to do is we need to be focused. We need to be focused on where we're going. As we go through life, we don't need to be worried. We don't need to be so consumed with the problems that exist here in the wild. But our hearts and our minds need to be solely and continually focused on what lies for us at the end. Listen to what he says for us in verse number 10. It says, and after you have suffered a little while. Wasn't that a sobering thing to know? He says, after you have suffered a little while. That means not some of us are going to suffer. That means that life is going to bring suffering for all of us. But after a little while, just a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, listen to these words, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So what is life and glory? What is that like? Well, he gives us some words here that help us understand it a little bit more about what Christ will do for us in that time when we enter into his glory. He will restore you. You know, this life has taken a lot from us. Maybe by some of the mistakes that we've made. Maybe because of our age. Maybe some of our infirmities. Maybe some of our closest people. But life has taken a lot of things away from us. But when we come into glory, Jesus Christ will restore us. He will make us new. He will bring back those things that we have lost. And not only will he restore us, but he will also confirm us. How many of you have ever been doubted because of who you are? because of how you look, because of your level of strength, because people don't believe in you and your witness as a Christian. People doubt you. 
but the Lord will confirm you. In other words, he will make it known and he will make it obvious that everything that you believed in Christ Jesus was true. He will confirm it to you. And then he will also strengthen you. You know, the more that we grow up in life, the weaker we get as we get older and frailer. Our strength tends to to fade. But also we think about the problems that we face in our inability to handle those things because our lack of strength. So many uh, institutions and so many things that were more powerful for us have spent this life just crushing us. But in our glory, He will strengthen us and we will overcome all the things of the world. Do not be afraid because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus tells for us. And so we will have perfect strength when we come to his time and glory. And then he will establish you. What does it mean to establish you? Well, you think about in the times where there were, were kings and kingdoms. When one king would die or he would get overthrown, another one would be crowned as king. But even as he was crowned as king, during that time of transition, there would be other people who would come trying to assert authority into that kingdom to sort of challenge the new king, to try to take land and to take power and to take prominence from the newly accounted king. And that king would have to take and he would have to overcome those enemies. He would have to worry about the people who would try to rise against his throne. And it was then and only then after he conquered those final enemies was his kingdom fully established, having no contesters, having no opposition. He will establish us in glory. He will give us a new body. He will give us a new place that cannot be taken away. It's a kingdom that is forever established, no longer to be challenged, are no longer to be questioned. And it's in then an understanding of what waits for us as the Lord Jesus Christ empowers us to not only get through this world, but also gives us the great future that awaits for us in glory. So it's only fitting that we would end, as Peter would conclude in his own life about this Jesus. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. We have a lot to look forward to. So let's keep our eyes focused on that. As we remain just this little while here as exiles, here in the wild. And so even as Christ has left us here, let us remember what it takes for us to survive during this time upon this earth, that we understand the elements, that we 
lighten our loads and that we are ever watchful and sober-minded and always, always keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for your grace. The grace that not only saved us, but Lord, the grace that keeps on giving, even while here, we're here upon this earth. Lord, that gives us strength and to give us hope and to give us everything that we need to make it through this world. And so, Lord, I pray during this time, Lord, we lean on you. Lord, that we turn our hearts and our minds towards you. And Lord, we allow you to bring us to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand in.